0: get access to exclusive content, and become part of the team. You'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. That's patreo dot com trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM.
1: these books i thought i'd take some light reading in case i got bored welcome everyone to another episode of literary treks trek fm's dedicated books and comic show we're so glad to have you back and of course my name is matthew rushing and i am joined as always by the illustrious
0: dan gunther esq <laughs>
1: dan how's it going
0: uh, not too bad matthew wow i you know, I've, every week I just get the best introductions on this show. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why you keep coming back. <laughs> that's pretty much it, yeah.
1: <laughs> you should see him, guys. He's got one hand telling me no and the other hand just telling me keep it coming, keep it coming. Uh, I'll, uh, uh, your 20 bucks is in the mail. Um, so uh, anyway, <laughs> um, I was excited, Dan, because, uh, you know, saw uh, some very cool news come out uh, for Star Trek book fans. And that was that uh because of the 50th anniversary Pocket Books has released all of its Star Trek ebooks in a DRM free format and uh it's crazy that's over 700 titles available that's insane Yeah
0: that's it's really really cool because you know DRM free really means you can uh read them on any device you want there's no kind of restrictions that way and uh, yeah, like, like you said, over 700 titles available at StarTrekBooks.com. And, uh, you know, some of the books there, some of the older books are as low as $1. And, uh, you know, a lot of really great classic Star Trek books over the years, you know, from way, way, way back when all the way up until the modern stuff are all available there. So that's really exciting news. Saw that come across on, uh, on the Babel Conference today. So really excited about that.
1: Yeah, you know what I love about this is the fact that I mean they're all there. Every single book that they have an ebook, and I mean you know you really have some great stuff in there. I was just even looking at, um, you know, say you wanted to read you know the uh, Starfleet Corps of Engineers series. Well, that is all there, you know, and it's they're they're doing a great job of of trying to take some of those books as well. And make them you know as as affordable as possible for a you know like you said, having some of those books as low as you know a dollar is is just really cool in fact um as we're talking here, I just thought you know i wonder I wonder what 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 books can we get under a dollar ninety nine and you know what's great? There are some books that we're gonna be reading. This year, Dan, that are 99 cents. Oh, that's really cool. I hadn't actually looked at that. That's awesome. William Shatner's got a couple of books in there uh, from his series. Dark Victory and Spectre are
0: both 99 cents. Oh, very cool. Well, I know where I'm going to be picking those up then.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, isn't that fantastic, though? I mean, we're we're helping them they're helping us uh they're helping out all the fans really to be able to celebrate uh, you know Star Trek books and the 50th anniversary um i mean they i got to say it's great they've got a bunch of books in here that are under you know 299 um you know and so this is a this is a great place to go and i'm really excited for this and like you said you don't have to have one e-reader. You know, you can have all your e-readers. It doesn't matter which one it is. And you can put that book on any of them, whether it's your iPad or Nook or Kindle, or well, I, mean, I don't even know what other e-readers are out there, mm. but I know there's a lot. So it's great. And um, of course, too, anybody that even has a computer can read these as well with the software you have on all the computers these days. So, very cool. Uh again, this is at startrekbooks.com and uh we'll link it in the show notes so you'll have it there uh on our website uh for our our show page. But uh yeah, I'm I'm just very excited about this. Um I I think I think it's good for Star Trek to do these kind of Mm -hmm. things, you know. Well, especially Um,
0: this year, too, in the 50th anniversary and really kind of use that event to get stuff out there.
1: Yeah. Not only that, but I mean, think about this, too. Uh, It's 50th anniversary of Star Trek. But Star Trek books have played such an important mm-hmm. part, whether it was from the James Blish books all the way up to what we have now. You know, I think of again we talked at length about this last year when we were covering, it, but the you know the Deep Space Nine relaunch, really kicking off and a completely new way of doing Star Trek yeah. books that have really continued and really creating that sense of continuity that we know. And so, you know. These books have, for some people, and, and like the Star, Star Wars books, they've kind of become their you know Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely.: um, Absolutely. And so I, I think that's fantastic, and I'm really glad that, that you know they're giving us another reason to be able to celebrate the 50th, and uh, hopefully too, uh, they will do some great deals. Uh, throughout the years they even have a section for deals Um, you know right now like I said you know 99 cents those um, William Shatner books as well as a few others Uh, and I think that's great and hopefully they'll be just kind of be rotating that section as well mm. so you can check back you know maybe every week or whatever to see what deals you might find because you might find your favorite Star Trek book for less than a buck.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, if you find yourself uh, perusing the site there and you see something come up for a deal that, uh, you know, hasn't been announced or, you know, is kind of a surprise, get on over to the Babel Conference and let everyone know because, you know, that's always really cool when we have that kind of thing going on that's uh, breaking news and, you know, we can really take advantage of that with how fast we can communicate uh, among, us, among ourselves as fans now.
1: Oh, that that's a great point, Dan, and I'm really glad you brought that up. I, I think that is going to
0: be something which I'm going to be
1: very excited to see um, throughout the Babel conference. Is the people posting on there? Oh, did you know that you can get you know uh, Destiny the entire series? You know, the three part series for you know three ninety nine. It's a deal. You know, mm. that's a steal. Yeah. Oh, so <laughs> just, that's really exciting and really thankful that. Um, they are making the attempt to push Star Trek books here in this 50th anniversary, and I think that's good because you know if you do that, you get people interested again, you know, or maybe for the first time. Mm-hmm. It really means that we'll continue on with that for maybe another 50 years. You don't know. I I kind of have a feeling that Star Trek books may be around longer than an actual TV show. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, speaking of uh, communication among fans and stuff, uh, one of the great ways that we communicate is, of course, through all of the podcasts here on Trek Trek.fm. Uh, we've got podcasts covering every corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond, uh, and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, please be sure to hit that subscribe button and leave a star rating and review. This really helps us rise in the search results on iTunes, and of course in this 50th anniversary year especially, really makes it visible and and really possible for Star Trek book fans and fans of other aspects of Star Trek to find all of the podcasts here. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website and grab the RSS link there as well. If you want to get into contact with us, we have a form on the website at trek.fm slash contact. You can leave us a voicemail there as well. Just look in the sidebar on the show page or go to speakpipe.com slash trek.fm. We're on Twitter at Trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. And as we mentioned earlier, of course, we have the Babel Conference. That's our listeners-only group on Facebook. Just type in the Babel Conference, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, or go to our website at trek.fm and click Discussion on the menu bar. Here at Literary Treks, we also have our Goodreads group. Uh, We have bookshelves on there with all of our previously covered books, as well as what we're currently reading, so you can keep up to date with all of the shows coming up. And there are, of course, always great conversations happening about all of the books and comics that make up the Star Trek universe.
1: Well, Dan, tonight we're going to do something fun, and we're going to talk through a comic series. And, and I kind of have been, actually been looking forward to this one. I haven't read it before, and I was looking through, okay, what comics haven't we covered? Because there are sometimes when, uh, unless it's one of the big omnibuses or something from uh, Marvel or, or uh, you know, Windstorm or any of those kind of things, which can be hard to find... These days, especially digitally, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what I love is, is that we hadn't covered mirror images, which is really exciting. I was like, OK, we can cover that. And so I was really excited to dive into this one. And I honestly had no idea what it was going to be about or or how the story was going to go, except for the fact that it was going to be the mirror universe because the cover makes that pretty explicit that it's the mirror universe with the symbol and the two Spocks on either side. One has a goatee and we all know what a goatee means. It means you're evil.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. No. um, Yeah. Like you, I, I, I'd heard of this. I'd seen the cover kind of around, but I've never read it before. Uh, So yeah, this was a brand new one to me as well. Um, You know, I always really enjoy stuff to do with the mirror universe. Um, I think, I think in some cases it's a little overplayed in some areas, but the fundamental idea is just a really enticing one, you know, a uh, an alternate reality where all the characters, you know, and love, uh, their motivations are not the good and pure Starfleet that, that we're, that we know. Instead, everyone has this dark streak to their soul and, and everyone's looking out for number one and, and, you know, looking after themselves and with no compassion and no, uh, None of none of the heart that we have of Starfleet. And it's it's a really fascinating concept to me to kind of explore this darker mirror image of the characters we love.
1: Yeah, you know, it it makes it interesting, um, just because anything can happen there and you don't know what you're gonna get. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that makes it really exciting when you can take these characters in any which direction that you want. Um, You can kind of make them do pretty much anything you want. And you really also get to play with that dark side, you know, of of the characters and really make them uh, do evil things and, and in some ways almost celebrate that evilness because the more evil it is, kind of the better it fits in this universe. So it really does put everything in a different perspective. And, you know, I I think there's some fun in that. You know, I, I think that's one of the reasons why for the most part people I mean, I people still say it and I completely disagree with them, but people call, you know, the Mirror universe episodes of Enterprise the best episodes of enterprise. Now I don't agree with that, Mm. but I can understand why they do feel that way because they're so much fun. The production design is great and it's just off the wall kind of bonkers. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when you dive into a comic like this, I think that is probably the thing that you do think of is that you're probably going to get some kind of off the wall, crazy action, going on and uh you know i don't i don't really think that um that this comic does disappoint in that that way
0: no yeah i'd agree we do definitely uh, like it feels genuine to the mirror universe you know the the central concept they really do a good job of it here um just as an aside thinking back to that those enterprise episodes i think the i think the fun in that is getting to play the villain you know so the actors really enjoy mm-hmm. playing yeah. villainous characters and I think that idea comes across well in here. Like, I would get the feeling that if these were actors playing these roles, they're relishing these scenes. You know, the characters in on the pages here are chewing scenery just like the actors would if they were playing these characters for sure.
1: Yeah, I, I do have to say, um, beyond everything else uh, that we would talk about in the comic, um, what do you think about the characterization that that they? give the characters here for the Mirror Universe. And, and honestly, with TOS, we only had the one episode and we didn't see all of the characters. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how did you feel like that they extrapolated some of the other characters, especially we didn't see?
0: Well, I mean, you know, like I said, they do a good job um, of staying true to that central concept. I would have liked to have seen more of the characters, really. Like, that was one of the things, again, I came into this not knowing anything about this comic or anything like that so you know when i first cracked it open i was kind of thinking oh maybe we'll get to see some of those characters and stuff that we didn't really see in mirror mirror like uh you know the scotty and the the uhura of this universe because of course they were exchanged with the ones from our universe in that episode so we never got to see them um you know maybe we'd learn a bit more about them and you know, we do see a bit of Scotty and, and, you know, a little bit of the other characters, but I would have, I want I wanted more, like I wanted more of those characters in there. The ones they do focus on, which, you know, are Pike, Kirk, um, McCoy a little bit. Uh, they do do very well here. And, um, you know, the one thing I was thinking is you remember Flocks in, in a mirror dark, and, uh, yep. yeah, doing all experiments on animals and you know the crew and and torturing them and stuff i kind of expected more of that streak in mccoy like kind of a a torturous Mm -hmm. evil mad doctor scientist type person um and yeah they don't they don't really go there so you know it's not you know but you know that's okay what they do here is enjoyable
1: it is really interesting um what they actually do, because the storyline, and and I was not expecting this, but it's very focused. Mm -hmm. Uh, The story here, except for the interlude we get, which is kind of an interesting interlude, um, but the the main storyline here is Pike is the captain of the Enterprise at this point, and this story is all about Kirk becoming the captain. Of the ISS Enterprise, and how that happens, um, and and especially not just how that happened, but we learn the history behind uh, Kirk's device, which he uses in Mirror Mirror, that's his, led him to be able to have power for so long, and that of course Mirror Spock will use in that episode to take down Kirk. Uh, so uh, it was fascinating to see that. This story did have kind of a laser focus to it, um, that it wasn't trying to do too many things. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, I don't know, maybe what, as we talk through it, I it, maybe it could have done a few more things. Um, maybe it should have been a little more action packed, like a certain film I saw this last <laughs> weekend called Batman v Superman. I, I could have maybe had more storylines going, it would have been nice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it
0: is definitely a very, very slow burn um you know the story moves very slowly it uh you know we kind of see kirk and pike um not really facing off against one another but kind of uh going through um these kind of machinations to to gain the upper hand in this struggle that you know is kind of happening but not really fully happening yet and uh it takes a little while to kind of really get going here, and there's a lot of moving pieces on the board setting up and and like uh political power plays that uh you know without any real action moving that forward until later in the story,
1: yeah, it is very yeah, I can't explain any better <laughs> it is a slow burn, and the story is very deliberate in what it's doing there there isn't really any extraneous material whatsoever and it is a it's an interesting story to watch how kirk the character works his magic basically underneath the the watchful eye of chris pike who does not trust this guy at all and yet at the same time can't prove that he's being disloyal Mm -hmm. And he it just drives him crazy, <laughs> and I kind of loved that that the, what i what I loved is that in the characterization of this Kirk, you were seeing the some of the same things that made the Kirk that we know so successful, and I thought that was really cool, um because he does have that charisma that people like and that people respond to and that really are kind of drawn to um he's able to engender trust in people in this comic uh and i liked that uh so there were some really nice things that they do here where they're playing not a really against type but they're playing with the type of kirk that we understand mm-hmm. and yet just giving him that evil edge that uh, we kind of love about the mirror universe you know which is why we enjoy visiting it say in the original series and then of course when it's brought back in deep space nine people tended to like that a lot as well mm. so
0: yeah definitely it's i i do like that they do that and it's interesting that you mentioned that that there is a lot of our kirk in this kirk for sure and uh yeah like when he gives that that trademark kirk kind of smirk on his face yes yes it's there but there's also that evil glint in his eyes as well Mm -hmm. and i think you know i I have some problems with some of the artwork in parts of this but uh when they're doing things like that like the extreme close-ups on the characters for the little micro expressions those are really really well done here and uh yeah i love those
1: I find it really nicely done in the sense that I think the artwork is pretty beautiful. Now I'm going to say one of the things where this, this comic I think suffers though, is that yes, the artwork is beautiful, but for the most part, each page has maybe three or four panels at the most. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like that creates some great images because the artists are really able to create some nice detail. But I don't think that's really allowing them to have enough time to create a really impactful, you know, in-depth story with these characters. It's keeping everything moving at a very brisk pace mm-hmm. because uh even on my iPad, this is the the actual comic itself is only about 112 pages, uh, which is four issues here. Yeah. And so it's it's I don't know, it feels like it's just kind of like something's missing.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I read this last night, uh, and I was really surprised when I got to the end as quickly as I did because, yeah, it goes by really quickly. And flipping back through it, you notice, yeah, there's, you know, four dialogue balloons on one page, two on the next, another three on the page after that. And it's, yeah, it's a very... it the story moves quickly, um, because there's so little of it there really. Um, and you don't really realize it till you're done that just how quickly it goes by because, uh, yeah, like you said, there's very, there's a lot of real estate used by v- just a few images and a few pieces of dialogue.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny, uh, in light of Batman v Superman, I decided to go back and buy some of the DC comics with some of the big things that have happened that I haven't read before. So I'm reading Crisis on Infinite Earths now, which is from the 80s, and the difference there is astounding in the fact of how many balloons there are, how many panels there are on the page. It's it It's crazy that... It was really more about the story that they're trying to tell, and they're telling it with a lot of words mm-hmm. um, and and not just images. And, yeah, it was really interesting here because, again, the artwork is pretty beautiful. But when you do only have, like, five to six word balloons on a page, it's a really quick read, and and so you're not really digging into... I feel like a ton of character. Mm-hmm. Um and and I think that's frustrating because like you said at the beginning, man, what I would have really liked to have seen more of Scotty in the story because that's not somebody we saw a lot of um in Mirror Mirror. And I loved really getting to spend some more of a time with Christopher Pike and then of course this Dr. McCoy and they're really kind of like almost side characters, which is odd because
0: they also play a pivotal role in the story Mm -hmm. yeah it's weird the uh, the little bit we do get about scotty i actually really like i love these uh close-ups on his face uh he kind of i don't want to say he's sniveling but he seems like a more fearful character than any of the other characters here and and kind of just trying to carve out his little place for himself because he's kind of so scared of retribution and that kind of thing and you know we get these little hints but yeah i would have liked to have seen a lot more here i would have loved to have gotten you know a few solo scenes with some of these characters and what they were thinking and what their motivations were Um, although you know the singular focus on kirk you know really does drive the story you know forward quickly as quickly as it needs to because again of the the limited amount of uh Dialogue they've given themselves here.
1: Well, and it's it, what was really interesting, too. um, And I, I kind of really in, like the, the way this story is going. So Kirk is building the machine in which he allows him to be able to monitor everything. And um he has been engineering this with Scotty for a long time. But they need basically a bunch of parts from these Orions. And they use this setup with uh, Starfleet Command sending the Enterprise to meet with these Orion traders who have this dilithium um, to be able to make this happen. And I just thought it was really cool because, uh, again, you were seeing the devious nature of this Kirk and how he really has his finger on the pulse of everything that's going on. And he's able to... I mean, he's just able to make everything work for him uh, mm-hmm. in the same way that, you know, really saw Kirk in the original series find a way even to make the Kobe Ashimaru, the unbeatable test work for him because he cheated, you know, and like, that's just he's he's so good at that here. So, um, yeah, it's just really, really cool. And, and I've got to say, uh, it gets pretty spicy in this comic uh, it's very very spicy some of the things that happen um, yeah
0: um much more so than i've ever seen in a star trek comic that's for sure uh like there's there's one panel in particular that i think the artist spent a lot of time on here <laughs> and it's it's easy to see why <laughs>
1: Yes, I I agree with you. I think they spent a lot of time on it and and what it actually reminds me of, it it very much reminds me of the enterprise episodes mm-hmm. that we got. Yeah, uh, I you was know, and so. how I mean, very very sexually charged. I mean, you know, um I'm I'm, I'm especially thinking of the Hoshi scenes and everything like that. It, you know, uh, these, these women are using their sexuality. Uh, these Orion women are using their sexuality. Uh, the It's, it all fits very well within the universe. And so I think it's, it's well done. It's, it's not gratuitous, but it is just like, oh, okay, goodness. Um, here we go. <laughs> yep. Very much. I mean, if you thought Kirk was, and if you're a person who, uh, you know, thinks Kirk's a horn dog in the, you know, original series, then he's definitely one here in the mirror universe. So,
0: yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And what I find interesting too is, you know, kind of flipping Kirk's character a little bit in that, you know, he's not actually really interested in these women. It's what they're doing for him that he's interested in. You know, he's using... This rendezvous and these orion women to smuggle some parts aboard um which you know i think is really interesting because he kind of turns them loose on sulu and gets them to seduce him while he you know sneaks these parts aboard in their clothing what little <laughs> I also find it really interesting that he's smuggling parts aboard in their clothing and they're wearing like maybe three strips of fabric between them so you know these are very very small components he's getting aboard
1: yeah um not only i mean what's funny is that he kind of feels like an evil james bond Hmm. you know how james bond will you know he'll be with the woman because he's kind of like biding his time until something else comes up. that's exactly how kirk is with it's it's like well there's three lion women i have some time on my hands okay <laughs> you know like it's it's not it's it's not about like him it's really not about anything other than just well seems like a good way to spend a few hours and then i'll go about my day you know uh very careless and heart heartless and it's exactly what you expect from a universe where everybody's just using each other. I mean, you know, these Orion women are are getting something from from Kirk that that and he's getting something from them. It, it's not about and I and I mean that business wise. No, they're they're actually <laughs> conducting, you know, business together and this is just kind of part of that deal mm-hmm. for both of them. You know, it's like it's very odd and it's it's very counterintuitive for anything. That that we would think of on our universe, but this is the mirror universe, and so, um, you know, the intendant was the same way on Deep Space Nine. So, <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. You know, it's just it's a means to an end. It's not, uh, it's it's not an end in and of itself. Which you know, I thought was you know a really interesting take on his character mm-hmm. here, right? You know, and I mean, what we see of Kirk what we see of the mirror Kirk in the original series is, you know, a raving madman who seems incoherent and barbaric. But, you know, in this story, we actually find out that, you know, he's cunning and very, very intelligent. Uh, you know, so it's it's really interesting to to kind of get that side of his character here.
1: What did you think about, you know, the way that this wraps up and the revelation of actually how Kirk has been able to pull this off the whole time? Because, you know, you feel like everything is going along and then you get to the end and you realize, oh, Kirk had another player in the game that you may or may not have realized. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, that was, a, a, you know, it was one of those things that I kind of suspected uh, from the beginning. Um, just from the way they were setting it up and and how uh, he seemed to have a very, very small role in everything uh, and very minimized, you know, what his role in the entire story was. So, yeah, when it's revealed that he's in on it and helping Kirk the entire time. Yeah, no, I mean, that that made sense to me. And it was something that I was definitely expecting uh, from his first appearance there for sure.
1: Yeah, I you know I kind of loved that it was Spock as the one that is the kind of other mastermind behind the scenes, and that he has been the one that's been playing Pike. Mm -hmm. He's got his attention and he's got his trust, and you know I I think that that's uh, really really cool to see because it creates that relationship that they have there when you meet them in the Mirror Universe episode. You know, they have uh, a kind of bond there, and yet, at the same time, you know, Spock here has a character trait of being somebody who is very logical, and they're they're continuing to kind of build that here so that when we get to that episode, it all makes sense. And I just, I really like that. I thought it was really cool. Mm.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, like I say, it's something you know, I'm, I'm glad that that revelation was there because, uh, it was something that I thought like, if Spock's role in this really is that clueless and that small, that would not ring true for me. But what ended up happening was, you know, that made total sense to me for sure. So what did you think about, um, you know, so Kirk gets the parts aboard, uh, on these Orion women and stuff. And then we get this interesting little interlude here, uh, where we kind of flash forward to Picard aboard, and it's not the Stargazer. What was it? The Star Crusher? I can't remember now.
1: It's the Star, Star Crusher. Crusher. <laughs> it's a ship that was named after uh, Jack Crusher here, and apparently his ginormous crush on Dr. Crusher, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. So. Something like that. Uh yeah apparently she's she's so wonderful she's a star crusher. <laughs> so uh I don't know. Uh, yeah, but I I kind of liked that it wasn't named the same. And what was interesting to me about the interlude is just the way in which it plays off uh that time between the original series where, you know, Spock has changed everything and then what we get in Deep Space 9 and kind of showing how Everything has unraveled for the the Terran Empire. Mm. And this is just part of that. And I think, to me, honestly, I thought it was really cool. I wa- actually wanted more. I, I felt like there should have been another interlude <laughs> somehow. Uh, or maybe this should have been like a six-part series or, you know, something like that where every other comic was an interlude here kind of showing the... You know, this is the first part shows the the setup for Mirror Mirror, and this shows the, you know, the what happened after Mirror Mirror. You mm-hmm. know, like the ramifications of of what you know Kirk from our universe or the Prime Universe set in motion. Yeah,
0: no, I have to admit, I was uh, again how I was talking about uh, reading this and being so surprised that the ending came so quickly. I was actually really expect expecting another follow up here, uh, you know. So at the end of this story, Picard assumes command of the Star Crusher and kind of leads his crew off as as a group of brigands, um, separate from, you know, the former glorious Terran Empire, which is now, you know, doing all these peace reforms and getting whittled away by the Klingon-Cardassian alliance. I totally thought they'd come back to that and show, you know, one of their campaigns afterwards or something like that, so... Um yeah, I was really I was a little disappointed we didn't get more with this uh crew under under the Shinzon looking uh Captain Picard here.
1: Yeah, he does kind of have a Shinzon look. What I like is that um You know, this is a Picard who's younger and he's kind of started to lose his hair. So he's just buzzed his (laughs) head, you know, so it kind of just has the stubble effect. And I thought it was really effective. And like you said, I just I really wanted to see more of this because, gosh, heck, just do a whole comic book series that, you know, comes off of this oh, yeah. how does the the terran empire fall and and how does the rebellion against it begin i would love to see that
0: oh yeah definitely i would i would love love to see that for sure and especially you know picard on the on the alternate stargazer the star crusher is kind of a an aspect of that story i never thought of before you know that kind of interlude period between the two it's it's a really fascinating uh, time to explore both in the regular universe and the mirror universe. So, yeah, I'd love to see more of that for sure.
1: What did uh What did you think in the end, you know, just as a rating, you think, for for this comic? Um, Now that we've talked through kind of all the parts, and there's definitely things in here that we haven't talked about. So we, there's things, you know, if you want to go and read it, we haven't kind of ruined everything for you. Definitely some gold in there for you to check out. But uh, what do you think, Dan?
0: Uh, well, for the most part, I really enjoyed it. Uh, there were a few things that I had issues with, kind of the slow pace uh, combined with also para- paradoxically how quickly the story moved through because, you know, it was so, uh, the panels were so few and, and huge and that kind of thing. Um, a few bits of artwork I had a bit of problems with. The uh, I don't think we're spoiling too much to say that there's a big climactic fight at the end. And... yeah. <laughs> It kind of goes on for pages and pages and it doesn't translate really well to the, you know, drawn medium of the comic here. But, you know, it is, for the most part, a very enjoyable story. Lots of parts of the artwork I really did like. I thought, like I was saying earlier, those extreme close-ups and the expressions on the faces, I think the artist captured that really well. And the fact that in the Mirror Universe, if you're a true badass, you hold your phaser sideways. That's pretty cool. (laughs) So, um, I'd have to say overall I would give this probably about a three and a half out of five exploding shuttlecraft. You know, it's definitely worth a read. It's, it's really interesting, a lot of fun. Uh, I think most Star Trek fans out there will get a lot out of this.
1: I think that this is a good comic in the sense that, you know, so many times, I think, Dan, we talk about the idea that something is not laser focused enough and it's kind of loses you by the end. One of the, the strengths of this comic is that it does have a laser focus. It tells a complete story. It never loses you. And I think the end is just as good as the beginning. What it needed, I think, was just more. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I I think it could have added some other side stories to it. Um, it could have added a little bit more complexity to the story. I think that would have helped. Or you could have just added more of the interludes and it spaced out those in between everything else. And I think it would have just made this even more enjoyable. I think what I'm saying is, I enjoyed this. I just wanted more.
0: Yeah, and well, that's never bad. You to. know.
1: <laughs> No, not at all. Um, And so leaving me wanting more, I think, is great. And so, I had to say, I'm with you. I think uh, this is a solid three out of five Orion Slave Girls, and uh, you know, so I definitely think it's worth a read. Um, I think you will probably see uh, what we saw is just yeah, it just could have been more, and uh, we would have loved it.
0: Well, Matthew, I think we definitely both agreed the comic that we reviewed today worth a read for sure maybe not perfect could have uh, been a little um a little bigger a little bit more like you said but i think generally uh you know definitely a worthwhile read and a lot of fun this uh to talk about this week
1: yeah no i i'm really glad that we decided to talk about this one and i like you said i do think it actually is fun it's interesting it's well done The artwork, for the most part, is fantastic. And, you know, that's really what you want out of a comic. So... I can't complain at all, and I'm, you know, really glad that we get a chance to talk about all of these things uh, here on Trek FM. I'm going to mention real quick. We're going to be doing "Live by the Code" by Christopher L. Bennett. We're going to continue that. It just came out uh, about uh, the the Enterprise relaunch, uh, continuing with the rise of the Federation. So I can't wait to read that. I can't wait to talk it with you, Dan. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have a special guest. So make sure to check back next week to see who that is. Um, but We get to do all of this stuff here on Literary Treks and everything we do at Trek FM because of Patreon.com. And we are a listener-supported network, and that means that we do need your help to keep this content coming to you each and every week. So please go to patreon.com slash trekfm and see how you can be part of our team and make sure that all the content that we have, um, we have over 20 different shows, special feeds, so much going on this year to celebrate Star Trek's 50th anniversary. Make sure that we can continue to bring you the best quality content out there. Just go to patreon.com slash trekfm. And with that, we have our associate producers here through Patreon. We really appreciate them for supporting us. We have Ken Tripp, Brandon Shea Mottola, and Bruce Gibson. All of these guys, fantastic. So we really thank them for their support and making sure that Literary Trexan specifically comes to each week. Now, Dan, when you're not trying to find yourself some bullion brew there at the local local pub, where can we find you? You
0: know, Matthew, I, I hear it's made with real bullions.
1: I know, <laughs> 98% boolean <bullying> every time.
0: <laughs> nice. Well, when I'm not trying to get my hands on that, you can find me online. My website is Treklet Reviews, where I review Star Trek novels, both old and new. That's at www.treklet.com. You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash reviews, And I'm also on Twitter. My handle there is at Kertrats K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. And I'm on Instagram. My username there is kertrats47. And you can also find me on the Babel Conference posting and talking about all things Star Trek. Because, you know, we just don't have enough Star Trek in our life. And uh, Matthew, when you're not taking command of the Star Crusher and leading it on your personal mission to bring back the glory of the Empire, where can we find you? Well, nothing
1: like uh, comparing me to uh, like a fascist dictator. Thanks so much, Dan. Ah, uh, but when I'm not
0: doing but that, he looks like Tom Hardy. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's true. Um,
1: <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at matt 2 two. I'm on Instagram at m rushing. I'm also doing the Orb here on the network with Chris Jones. We're talking about Deep Space Nine, of course. I am the host of the General Geek Show here on the network, the Six Hundred Two Club, where we just pick a great new geeky topic each week. That's from any of the other universes out there, uh, any of the other fandoms. In fact, we just launched the show just had the show come out this week of Batman v Superman so make sure you check out that uh, it's it's a movie that everybody's talking about and everybody has an opinion on so we'd love to hear about it from you and then of course uh, I do another show on a uh, network called the nerd party and you can also find that show on iTunes it is called Aggressive Negotiations, and I do that with John Mills, and we talk about Star Wars each week. We pick a interesting topic from the realm of Star Wars and just discuss that together, and it's a lot of fun, so I hope you'll join us there. And, and of course, you could find me on my own personal blog at 42lifeinbetween.wordpress.com. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and until next time, live long and read on. Do you call that light reading? To each his own, number one.